ways of increasing the velocity that you travel through books have a positive effect. People do a lot of reading today. You might say people read more now than ever before. But a great deal of that is happening online, and the reading involves mostly short status updates on social networks. Enthusiasts of the form of literature known as the book have been turning to innovators to ask, hey, if people are being social online anyway, could we at least make that social engagement around books? Library Thing is one of those innovations. And with 1.4 million users sharing 66 million books, Library Thing lays claim to being the world's largest online book club. David Weinberger caught company founder Tim Spaulding on the phone to talk about what libraries can learn from projects like Library Thing. So Library Thing started in 2005, and the basic idea at the very beginning was just, here's a tool to catalog your library that's online. But, uh, but very rapidly that turned into this social dimension became central to what you were doing. Conversations came out of that. Some of the data that comes off of that is interesting to libraries. Um, the strongest case is really tags. And uh, you know, recommendations, reviews, ratings, all those sorts of things. It works particularly well with books. So I think that's really where it starts. Um, so what is it that the, that the I, I think many librarians are coming to, uh, they already understand that um, some degree of community involvement, social involvement can be enormously beneficial, but you have, you have a tremendous amount of lived experience doing this, Tim. What is it that um, social groups, that crowds are not very good at? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I, I tend to believe that some of the strongest stuff comes out of things that you're doing strongly for yourself. So tags are an example of this where almost all the time you're not tagging for other people, right? Very, very rarely a professor will tag books the name of his class or something, but mostly you're actually tagging for yourself. When you have hundreds of thousands of people doing this, the library thing has, I think, 75 million tags, and that just produces this incredible thing. Libraries can be helped by adding tags from a site like Library Thing, but libraries that have tried to add tags themselves have discovered that people don't want to add tags to a library catalog. It's just, it just doesn't help them at all. It's not part of their workflow. It's not part of, of doing anything they want to do. So, I mean, the, the largest library tagging program, which was started by the University of Pennsylvania about the same time as Library Thing began, has in its history added fewer tags the library thing adds every single day. Right? So what's the explanation for that? That there's no reason to do it, right? There's no reason to do it. It's not really helping you. Social, social is not a feature. You need, to, you need to figure out what people actually want to do. And, you know, if that's social, great. But just adding these things on as a feature, that doesn't make any sense. You know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of library catalogs now that have the ability to tag, and they just no one ever does, Right. And if you don't have enormous quantities of, of information, it's worthless. You know, if you have five people tagging a book, um, you know, that's, that's much, much worse than, than having one smart librarian who knows, knows their subject. What, what, why did it work at libraries? Because people were doing it for themselves. People were doing it for themselves. They wanted to organize their own collection. You know, they wanted to do it for their own purposes. I'm sorry. So but, uh, I, I'm dismissing the crucial difference because if I'm at a, a, a library catalog – 
uh, and I want to refine some research that I've done. Why doesn't tagging there help in the same way well, as it if it were totally If it were totally integrated into everything else you did, maybe, right? But generally speaking, a library catalog is something that you access from a stand-up terminal, right? Maybe you access it from home, but it's not part of your, you know, it's not, it's not really deeply linked into the rest of the stuff you're doing, right? It's not automatically putting itself into your papers. You know, it, it's not at the center of it. Another, another good thing would be that, that when you're in a library catalog setting, you're looking for stuff. You're not talking about what you already found. A, a good example of this, of this situation would be Amazon. Amazon's tags uh, have never taken off. You can tag things on Amazon just like a library thing. But people tag things before they've read them, right? And they're mostly tagging them in just the most basic way to find them again, right? You know, gift for so-and-so. or you know, Although there are those uh, hilarious examples where tags have been used to make uh, uh, sometimes political points about some right. of the objects on Amazon. But that, that is clearly the exception. So. Well, well that, that's right. And it actually shows that, that when tags sometimes work, it's, it's people are trying to use them as reviews. You know, they're trying to use them as self-expression. And, and I, I did a blog post about this where I compared the tag clouds of, of an Ann Coulter book on Amazon and on library thing. And you might agree more with the tag cloud on, on Amazon. You know, it was just sort of the, the people were trying every single swear word that Amazon would let them use. Um, you know, but in terms of informative content, uh, the library thing was much higher because, you know, people – People in library thing tend to catalog what they actually have. Any other ideas about what, uh, where the social fails or is not particularly helpful? There are a great many books, right? So you're going to be immediately spreading yourself out very, very thin. For example, library thing has a discussion forum where if you want to drop in a reference to a book, you can. It is possible to find out which of your books are being talked about. But um, the conversations will include many books, right? I mean, I think most conversations about a book will talk about other books. So you want to have conversations that reference books instead of having, you know, a forum at the bottom of every book. But libraries have been slow to adapt social tools because I think there's a certain uh, worry that uh, what they do is qualitatively different than having some guy in his underpants uh, at home reviewing a book and that they shouldn't be put together on the same screen. And, you know, there's, there's actually much to that, that certain sorts of social engagement uh, should not be put on the same level as what librarians do. But I think um, over time, uh, some of that hostility has come down. People have realized what works better and what worked, you know, not as well. The privacy issue is interesting because it, it, it's a puzzle to me. On, on the one hand, you had this situation in Vermont a couple of years ago where, where, where Vermont librarians were, were so upset at the prospect that there might be a Patriot Act request of their records that they put those signs out saying, we can't tell you if your records have been searched by the FBI, but look for the removal of this sign, Right. So that, so that somehow when the sign was removed, um, uh, they would know that maybe something had happened. I mean, there's, there's been this enormous defense of privacy by librarians. And then the tide suddenly shifted, and librarians and libraries have been promoting technologies, e-book technologies, that are wildly invasive of privacy and that take, that take the information entirely out of the library's hands and put it in someone, someone else's hands. So there's some sort of deep professional disconnect going on there. 
um, that I find very weird. Um, you know, I, I, I believe in a robust library privacy, but I'm amazed at the extent to which uh, libraries have, have sort of changed their mind on this when it, when it comes to ebooks. I, I think that there is a legitimate argument that much reading is not social. You know, there is this thing that goes on when you're with a book that is kind of the opposite of social. You know, you're alone with the book, you're alone with your own thoughts, um, and I don't think we should disregard that, okay? Um, on the other hand, things are now possible in terms of conversation around books that, that weren't possible a while ago. I, I would compare it most to something like graduate school. So I went to graduate school in Greek and Latin. All of a sudden, I had this community of people that could talk about all the books I was reading. And even if they weren't assigned books, even if they were just books that I was interested in, you know, classics books, I had this community of people that wanted to talk about them and could talk about them, right? But it's just, it's, it's a, uh, you know, most, most of the time you're not in that situation, right? And, and even if you are, I mean, the, the great thing about library thing is that, you know, you and I, David, probably have read, you know, 20, 50, 100 of the same books and could talk about them. The problem is we don't know which books they are, right? So, you know, if I go over to your house, I can look at your shelves and go, oh, you know, what, what did you think of the structure of scientific revolutions? And you go, well, I thought this, I thought that. But I can't just assume you've read it. It's kind of weird, you know, to say, hey, you know, here's a list of the books I've read. Which ones have you read? Let's talk, right? So, I mean, library thing allows this aggregation, which has never before been possible, except in situations like a graduate school, you know, where you can go on library thing and you can pick a pretty obscure book and find, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people who've read it, um, and many of whom want to talk about it right now. So that's new, and that's, you know, legitimately great. You know, I just, again, to return to graduate school, that experience is a great experience, and that's not possible without, you know, paying for graduate school um, until now, until we have these new tools that allow you to you know, aggregate that interest across large numbers of people. But assumes a type of publicness that runs against the preservation of privacy. You know, it, it goes against privacy, I guess. I, I think that, um, I think, I think most librarians are moving to a position where as long as it's opt-in, they'll allow a lot. I mean, I mean I've, I've heard you talk about sort of the singleness of books before, and I, I, you know, without trying to respond to the memory of something you said, I just think there's something kind of fallacious about that, that there's, that, that intellectual conversation has always recognized that the books were talking to each other. You know, if, if you go into a library and you think that these volumes are all sitting on, by themselves on a shelf and not talking to each other, you're not listening. You know, the conversation has always been going on. Books talk to each other, people talk about books. It's always been a network. Part of being, you know, a broadly educated person with a whole lot of educated friends is discovering yourself in that network. So I, I sort of, I deny the idea that books are these, you know, separate little spaces that we read by ourselves, that we're not engaging in a broader way, that the web fundamentally transforms the way we think because of that. I think that's always been going on. What's changed is that it is, it is now available and obvious to more people. More pre people are participating in that conversation. You know? uh, and I think that's generally true of the web. That, you know, another great example would be that you know, previously, lots of people considered that information in a book was true and didn't really think about it very hard, right? But 
the people who were who the intellectual people already knew that that was always in question. Now all of a sudden everyone realizes that everything is in question. Um, you know that authority is never to be trusted. That authority is always to be questioned. So that you know something's changed in terms of the number of people who are involved. But but I question theories of of reading. You know that 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 emphasize a radical discontinuity there. Well, you're really not going to like my next book. <laughs> so I'm sure I am. I've liked every one of your books. Well, that's very nice of you. But so I'm I'm going to disagree with you. While of course also acknowledging. So uh, yes, of course, books have always been in conversation with one another. Um, Republic of Letters uh, letters were in conversation with one another, and that's been crucially Im- important. Um, the, uh, in fact, uh, Lewis Hyde ha- Lewis Hyde's new book as com- uh, common as air. Um, is this one of the 2,200 books that you and I've read? In no, Congress? no, no. Oh, well, you'd like it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, is a wonderful look at what our founding fathers uh, thought of intellectual property, how they viewed it. And uh, they viewed it as, as a commons. They viewed thought as a commons that was in conversation, a republic of lenders. You know, was, nevertheless, so I certainly take your point that it would be an overstatement. And I, one of my favorite things, in fact, is to overstate things to the point of falsehood. But uh, it, would, it would be an overstatement to say that books are isolated and have nothing to do with one another. Nevertheless, I think there is also truth to say that while the content of the ideas in the books are always in conversation, they're never isolated, thought is impossible without that sort of context and conversation, the books themselves are a terrible, disconnected, lousy medium for expressing that continuity. So the continuity is established by the author saying, um, some other author says in her or his book, whatever, let me summarize it for you, probably get it wrong, reduce it just as I did Lewis Hyde's book to a, you know, basically a tweet or a paragraph and do terrible violence to the book. Um, even when you, you know, you, you're liking the book, you, you, sum, you summarize it, you pull out of it the points you want to make or that refer to what you're talking about. You summarize it and you talk about it and you put in a footnote and the footnote basically cannot practically be followed unless you happen to be in the library, and the library happens to have the book. But as you noted earlier, there are a heck of a lot of books in the world. So the medium itself does not allow for the sort of connection that the ideas expressed by the medium rely upon. And it it would seems arguable to me, you and I don't have to have this argument now, that a change in the medium so that it becomes incredibly easy to follow those connections, so you can say, wait, I that's not what Lewis Hyde says, and go back to the book and see, read the entire Lewis Hyde book um, and follow the connections out from there, that that is a transformative medium. That's my argument anyway. The problem that I would have with, so I, I think that's broadly true, that, that ways of increasing the velocity that you travel through books have a positive effect, okay? And I think particularly ways of talking, ways about of focusing discussion in certain ways. So you know, my my model for a lot of what's starting to go on now with books online are things like the Bible or the Talmud or a lot of ancient texts where, you know, you know, you, you, you look at the Talmud and it's, you know, the, the text, the commentary, the commentary on the commentary, the commentary on the commentary, and the people who study it are so up on all these interconnections that they're that they're fully swimming in that sea, right? And that's what you can get with, with, you know, hyperlinked books, commentary on everything is fully swimming in that sea. Um, I think, I think where, where you can go wrong 
I think the internet in general has has shown this is that um, quick references to things aren't the same as digesting them. You know, the hard part of books is not moving between them. The hard part of books is understanding them. I don't think you get over that through through social tools. Um, I don't think you get over that by massively interlinking. Uh, there's an argument that by um, putting in links rather than having to struggle with summarizing what the other author is saying in a terse sentence yeah. paragraph, um, you so defer that that the reader is unlikely ever to get it. So you, you link to it, but you don't explain it well enough because you have the confidence the reader can always follow the link. But readers generally are not going to follow links. Right, and furthermore, you you want to know, you know, okay, look, so you've you've just you just pointed me at you know the the critique of pure reason. Thank you. But what exactly are you trying to say about this? Because you know that book is larger than your book. That book is 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 doing more than your book. So what are you really trying to get at? Okay, then. So we have these new ebooks. Um, we are coming to a middle ground, you and I, on uh, of agreement. Um, about the linked nature of them, but they're also an opportunity um, for sociality. And as, as a very important point that you made earlier, which is that the one-on-one um, -on -one time that we spend with books is special. I mean, it can be really, really important. I mean, not if you're looking something up, but if you're reading a book, that can be really important. I am, I've been distressed or surprised, I guess, by the almost complete lack of social awareness that ebooks currently show maybe that's because we really don't want uh social awareness as we are reading it's starting with lightweight tools i mean i don't know where 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 kindle is on this but you know in, in kobo for example you can quickly say you can quickly uh you know take whatever you're reading and post it to to twitter and facebook you can do that with amazon too um so i think you're going to see more and more of it it's interesting that it hasn't taken center stage but I'm not sure that you want to make two shifts at the same time. I mean, Amazon is is trying to make one big shift, and I think it's a fairly hard shift for some people. So, so to make two at the same time doesn't strike me as particularly good. You know, and they've also made some errors. I mean, the, the classic one is that I think of all the various social things that you could do, having my book suddenly defaced with underlines showing how many people underlined this it's just way low, way low on the list of, of things that I really want to know. You know, that's that's really uninteresting conversation most of the time. Um, and if you look at the, the sort of famous Amazon page of the uh, of the most popular underlined passages in all of the books, all Kindle books, you know, it's just it's just it's just a, a, a slow walk through through some really small souls. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's a lot of sententious phrases in books that you really really don't want to read. Don't have to. You got the underline, so you can move on. That's a huge surface. Yeah, I mean, I, there's so much more. You know, that's just that's just the beginning of it. And and, and that's the, the other problem with it is that that the e-reader devices are not currently designed for deep contact. You know, the only one that is at all is the iPad. And even that, you know, you know, re really typing in lots of stuff on an iPad is not something everyone does. So. I think we'll see that as the devices get better. I mean, my only problem with it is is, is that these are these are giant vertically integrated platforms, and I, I'm not particularly sure I want you know large amounts of book discussion 
all book sales, um, you know, and many other things in control of, of one company. You know, I think that's just kind of a bad situation for book culture generally. I, of course, agree. So as our readers become slowly more social, um, will library thing um, become part of that social uh, have a have a presence as a social reading environment on the devices themselves. Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. I think I think the answer is that the, the devices themselves will probably try to claim that that for themselves. Library thing tends to be used by a lot of people who have lots of physical books, and so for them, that's not going to happen. But I definitely see a situation where it's all one big blob, and if library thing can serve as an alternative to that, great. There's going to be a point when you're going to want to buy the Kindle book because it will give you access to everything everyone else has said about it. That's an exciting point. Um, I wish that that aggregation were happening freely in some open way rather than on a vendor site. Well, maybe it's an opportunity for libraries. You never know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. And I, I think I hope that libraries get wise about using ebooks in ways that. Um, that preserve the, uh, you know, the, 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 the rights of the data and, and don't suck them into these systems. Tim, wonderful to talk with you, as always. <laughs> Thanks for the conversation, David. Uh, thank you. Tim Spaulding is the founder of Library Thing, an online service to catalog and discuss books. You can find out more about them at librarything.com. Library Lab, the podcast, was brought to you by Harvard Library Innovation Lab at Harvard Law School. Theme music comes Creative Commons licensed from Brad Sucks, who you can find at bradsucks.net. We're interviewing a number of innovators, scholars, and publishers about the future of the written word. If you like this episode, why not follow along with us at librarylab.law.harvard.edu, where you can find out more about our work, including info on today's guest, join a discussion, and share this podcast with others. You can also find today's podcast as well as all of our previous episodes now available in MP3 and AUG formats and subscribable in iTunes. This show was produced by me, Daniel Dennis-Jones, and David Weinberger with the support of the Harvard Law School.